Hello and welcome to the Relational Parents Podcast, where we get off autopilot and give thoughtful attention to how we interact with our children and relate to ourselves so that you can show up in your family as the best version of yourself with a lot more joy and ease. I'm your host, Teresa Puckett, and I'm thrilled you've joined us today. Hey, it's T, and I'm so excited in this episode to come to you. Kids just want to have fun, right? And who doesn't want to have fun? We might have different ideas of what fun is, but who doesn't want to have fun? So this is going to be a great episode. Um, so we're in the very beginning of the school year, and some things I'm hearing from parents are things like, how can I get her to, he just doesn't want to. And we're all spending a little bit more time, most of us are spending a little bit more time at home while our kids are learning, however that is happening. So what I'm gonna do today is I'm going to offer you five different activities, types of activities that you're going to be able to modify based on a few different variables. Of course, your child's age and development level is one. And I'm going to offer examples uh, for the younger ages from, you know, kind of like preschoolish ages. And I'm also going to offer an example way out at the teen years. And then you can modify or you can, you know, ask me um, how it might be appropriate to modify in between. So age is one of the variables. The other variables have to do with your child or your children. And I've talked in the past about being a great observer of your child, right? Like you are the adult expert on your child. So you know whether your child moves really fast and is really bouncy or is like super intense. Maybe they're intense and they move fast. So you have a good understanding of the, the general energy of your child. And so you are going to be able to modify how you, um, how you talk to them about the activity and how you do the activity to meet them where they are. Don't try to make, you're not trying to make them something that they're not. You're not trying to make them like something that they don't. But if you know that your child is a little slower moving and more intense, you can do the same activity, but you might um, talk about it in a different way and you might approach it in a different way than you would if your child is a little bit faster moving and bouncy and random and not maybe so intense. Um, and I will just, in case this resonates for some of you, um, I guess yoga is where I'm going to go. For anybody who is familiar with yoga, if you've ever done yoga, if you've ever seen yoga, um, the different poses, and if you've done it, um, then you know they're in yoga, they're usually called asanas. Sometimes a pose or an asana is easier to come into when, when you're approaching it 
from a certain way. It could be from a certain shape that you're approaching this specific pose, or it could be from like a warmed up, like you, you just need to warm up before you get into it. So there's all different ways to get into different poses. There's all different ways to approach different activities. And that's what I'm asking you to do here is kind of think about your child and their energy. And if you were going to create a great, um, a great way for them to get into this activity and a way to talk about it and be excited about it, um, that's where I'm going to ask you to like maybe mirroring their energy. Um, an energy that you think is going to be very inviting for them to come into an activity. I hope that makes some sense. Okay, so we have five activities I'm going to share with you. They're not um, extraordinarily specific, but, but the first kind of activity is a hands-on activity. And the example that I have for that is, and I'm going to give some examples, at least for the littles, um, could be an example that helps them build literacy on the reading side and literacy. And it could be an example that helps them on the mathematical side. Um, and so a hands-on activity could be something like um, related to, I'm just gonna say slime, okay? Because I think that boys and girls um, like slime or, or you know, pick your, your fun, um, material of choice, but I'm going to pick slime. So you could create a book um, about how to make slime. Your, your child could create this book and you could provide the materials. Um, and that would be on, on the literacy side. On the mathematical side, it could be, hey, let's see, you know, what are the ingredients and how much of which ingredient you need to create something that's more slimy. And maybe, you know, maybe you start with something from the internet or maybe you let them start with something from scratch and see how it goes. But, um, but something hands-on that they can actually get into is going to be great for a younger child. I would say, you know, even, you know, you know your own child again, but for ages up to, you know, even like nine or 10 um, can really just have a whole lot of fun with that. They can do more complex things, um, but for the littles, just being able to mix and squish things between their hands is going to be really, really fun. And so, you know, I, all right, I'm going to modify it now. Slime. I have two teenage boys, right? How would we um, do something with slime? I probably um, would uh, would introduce this as like a fun thing, like, hey, let's see who can make the slimiest slime um, in the house. And maybe the four of us each try it, or maybe we like team up and, you know, nothing is off limits. Like you can use the internet, you can use whatever. Maybe we, you know, put a limit on the ingredients, like we have to use what's in the house, or you can only spend $10 per team or something like that. But make it like super fun, however, it's going to be fun for, for your child, that would be how it might be fun in our house. So that's a hands on activity. Um, number two, is a, a physical activity, something like where you get some physical movement into something. And so 
Um, just to make it a little bit more specific. So if we're doing something again with the littles that we want to help them build literacy, right? Um, and I'm going to throw in a little bit of Montessori here. The sounds are really important with literacy. The letters come after the sound. So if you're dealing with a, a child who does not yet know how to read because they're, you know, uh, you know, one, two, three, four years old, and they don't, um, they don't fully know how to read, you know, five, six even, um, then sounds are more important. And so it could be something like, you know, what rhymes with cat or, um, you know, uh, and I know I said physical movement, right? So um, could be, and they, and they say hat, and what's the first sound in hat? And so you make a game out of that sound and like breathing heavier, getting physical movement into it. They say bat and what's the first sound of bat, b. And so, you know, you can do a physical movement with that as well. And so just bringing physical movement into this. Um, I, I think with, uh, with teens, like in my house, um, my two kids, you know, again, it, it could be something where there's like a little bit of competition and fun involved, but we don't want to make it um, too much like somebody always wins. And so I have one of mine is very cardio and one of mine is very strong and um, anaerobic. So it might be something more like just dexterity, some kind of physical movement, like who can do I don't know who can do the most uh, jumping jacks or who can jump the most times or, or whatever, just little fun activities. And I, I guess you're getting the idea that in my house, like competition is, uh, is the way to like engage um, and just, uh, just play, play um, and, uh, and competition comes into that. So physical movement. And so, um, if you, you know, keeping that literacy piece in mind with, uh, with the littles, just, I just want to build on that for a second here. You can even do something like this. You take the physical element out of it, but you can do, you know, the rhyming thing and the sound thing, even like at the dinner table um, while you're eating um, might be a fun thing to do. Um, you know, if, if you're approaching it in a fun way and you're inviting your kids in a fun way, um, then that could be something fun for them. Okay, number three type of activity. <laughs> and I love this one. I love this one because there is literally no preparation involved for the adult. Number three is a scavenger hunt. And so for younger kids. Um, it could be a scavenger hunt where if, you know, you're, you're leaning towards, hey, let's do something, maybe build some, you know, some math into this. You could say, you know, if this is like a second grader, you could say, or a, a third grader, bring me three times three blades of grass, you know, and then, you know, so they bring you and they, they count them out or they put three and then three and then three and it's nine and it's great. Um, or like for little kids, it would be like, bring me three blades of grass, bring me 
two of something and you know they get to maybe choose what that is um if you're building literacy if you're building that sort of uh phonics awareness you could say find all of the things in the house that you can bring me that start with the sound and if they don't you know if they're if they're not getting it you could say like fun um, and just make sure you give an example so they got the right sound now the trick here for um for you to realize is if they brought you your phone that's a good thing it begins with we're not worried about the letters they don't they don't understand that it starts with p h instead of f and that's an advanced thing that's a diphthong and that's like for second or third grade or whatever whenever they're teaching that these days but um let's keep it age appropriate so if you said the sound that's what you mean and don't try to um do anything fancier because that will confuse them um scavenger hunt <laughs> so in my house and we're gonna actually be doing this soon we're gonna do a scavenger hunt and find things that we didn't even know were in the house and have everybody guess where we found them so like each one of us will go find things that you know maybe we didn't realize we had um you know we think that nobody will know where they are and then have people guess and um and just make it like a, a fun thing like kind of <laughs> like whatever like the household game show right like where did i find this where would you expect to find this and again it's a scavenger hunt it's fun it's creative and there's no preparation so you gotta love that at least i do all right, so that was number three. We had a hands-on activity, activity with physical movement, a scavenger hunt. And then number four um, is family stories. And these like, so I'm gonna go backwards here. So for me with my teens, I would say like, hey, you know, um, is there anything, would you like to hear a story about uh, Papa or me when we were younger and what age, like what age or what topic or whatever, but just, you know, everything is on the table. What story would you like to hear or what, what would you like to hear that you've never heard or a story that I've heard about grandma and grandpa or whatever. Um, and so that might be a little bit, you know, that's a little nuanced um, for how, how to like hook in maybe a teen, but from tween on down, it's, it gets a little easier to see how they might like to hear. And then really down, you know, under the age of, you know, nine or 10, um, you can more invite them like, would you like to hear the story of my first day on a bus and what happened to me and what I came across and or whatever or the story of um, my first puppy or whatever it is but family stories um, really will help to um, to create that sense of family community and you know your uh, your young child might even like to make a book out of their own story, a piece of their own story, 
or maybe out of a piece of yours. You know? um, so that's, uh, that's another thing. And then number five, this comes back to letting kids have their own, you know, make some of their own choices. No matter what it is that is in front of you for the day or is in front of them, whether it is, you know, reading a book or, um, you know, learning some math or what have you, see what ways that you can give them real choices. And I love this. Actually, a lot of these, uh, I was inspired by, uh, I, I don't even remember what, but I, I read a blog in the last week or two and just had so many fun ideas that um, I'm, I'm kind of blowing out here. But um, one of the things in that blog was like, you know, reading doesn't have to be Charles Dickens. And certainly for our eight-year-olds, it's not appropriate. But like comic books are books. And there's, um, there's illustrated novels and, and there's just lots and lots of different choices. So um, making some of those available and part of the, the rota, part of the things that they can choose from is just a, a great, great idea. And I will just um, share on the, the teen side, just that whole choice aspect. This was um, a few years back, actually, when my older was in eighth grade and he was making his choices for his classes in high school for his freshman year. And he didn't have that many choices to make. You know, there's the math, the science, the English and, and things like that. But he did have a couple choices to make. And one of the things that he chose was introduction to guitar. And I remember, you know, I remember approaching that, that conversation because he and I, you know, got on the computer and did this together. I remember thinking, you know, okay, well, you know, so there's introduction to computer science and there's introduction to uh, mechanical drawing and da, 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 da. And I already had like the top three choices in my head chosen for his, um, for his elective. And he said, introduction to guitar. And I was like, wow, buddy, really? And he said, yeah, remember, mom, like I, I took a few lessons when I was four and then like I stopped because I just wasn't interested anymore. And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, I've been kind of thinking back to that and I, I wish I kept up with it. And like, this is, this is my opportunity. To, um, to, to get back into it. So I did not go into my first top picks for him, you know, with the computer science and the engineering drawing and whatever the other, the third one was. I, you know, I asked him a question, I got that and I was like, wow, he thought about this, that's fantastic. And so what that has turned into is that um, he, now he's in his fourth year. He's just starting his first year or fourth year in high school. And he's taken guitar every single year and he's gotten so much better. I don't know how many guitars he has, but now he's like selling his guitars to his younger brother. And, you know, his younger brother is amazing on the guitar and they're both, 
you know, learning in school, but also teaching themselves a whole lot. And they've just gotten so into it and so good. It's, it's really amazing. And I, I think back to what if I had made a different decision and I had steered him or forced him worse to do, tried to force him to do something else. And he didn't do that. I just think, you know, things would be just very different. And so he, you know, was able to make that choice, was able to um, feel a sense of control over what he would be wanting to do and then take it further. So I, I wanted to share that as, a, as an example for with an older, older child. I think I'm going to pull the plug there. That's uh, an awful lot that I've shared with you. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I hope that you have fun and that you inspire and, and have some fun with your child or your children um, using one or more of these, um, these suggestions, really, these soft suggestions. And I would love to hear about what, uh, what happens for you, which suggestion you choose, how it goes. Um, so please do feel free to share. You can pop me an email at support at relationalparents.org or you can um, always feel free to share in the Relational Parents Facebook group. All right, take good care. Until next time, bye for now. Hey, it's T, and I'm so excited to share that Relational Parents is offering a free book club in the month of September. We are reading and meeting every week for some really animated conversations about The Self-Driven Child by William Stixrude and Ned Johnson. It's about the most damaging myths that we as parents buy into and how to break out of them in some of the most challenging areas that we navigate with our kids, like school and like technology and their future. So I think it's really perfect timing for this book club as the school year gets underway. And if you'd like to join us, please register. There are two ways to register, either in the Relational Parents Facebook group which you can join, or if you're already in there, or send an email to support at relationalparents.org. Let us know that you're interested and we will send you the link and we'll get you in there for these conversations. And also you can feel free to invite a friend or two that would be interested. Okay, I'll see you there. Mm -hmm.